Welcome to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast, where you will find sermons, devotional thoughts, and current event conversations, all based on a biblical worldview. Praise the Lord that our sins have indeed been nailed to the cross. Last week we spoke, last week we saw the life of Pilate. And we emphasize on Pilate because Pilate was this close to being saved. He had a choice to make, like each and every one of us have choices to make daily. And we, and we talked about the power of choice and the fact that everything boils down to two choices. No matter how many choices you have, in the end they boil down to two. And we looked at the lives of five spiritual leaders, Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. And we pointed out the fact that Jesus makes a unique statement to break down the five into two groups. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you are trying to decide logic and reason what God has given us, because he has called us to reason together, tells you, wait a minute, how do I choose then? Four are telling me that they will show me the way, but then I have to pick amongst the four. Jesus says, I am the way. He makes it sound more definitive, more affirmative. And Jesus in the scripture was lauded for that because at the end of the Sermon of the Mount, it is said this, they were amazed at his teachings because he preached as one having authority, not like the scribes. Like the others who say, I can show you the way. Jesus says, I'm not going to show you the way. I am the way. So how do you strengthen your power of choice? And briefly, cognizant of the time and the fact service has gone a little longer, we're going to give you three ways, the only really three ways, to strengthen your power of choice for the glory and honor of God. But before we go there, there is something unique about humans. There is something unique about humans that separates us mentally from the animals is this notion that we can be self-aware. I'm pretty sure we have all had moments but dreams where you are seeing yourself making decisions in your dreams. Even in meditation or in prayer, which I advocate Christian meditation, you can spend time while meditating in a self-aware mode where you are out in a sense outside of yourself and you're looking at the decisions you're contemplating to make. Many people can look at a situation, see, let's say I'm gonna pick on a man here, let's say a man who is about to commit adultery, many people can look at that situation and clearly tell you, don't do it, it's wrong. But when they find themselves in the situation, what happens? The flesh takes over. The desires. It'll feel good. It is thrilling. It is exciting. My marriage has been on a blah, blah for 25 years. This is a thrill. Something happens that their self-awareness goes away. It's easy, the Bible tells us, to point out the sin in somebody else. But when you cannot see it in yourself, we make horrible choices. I like sports. A young man named Fernando Tatis just came out 
yesterday. He has a 300 plus million dollar contract. In baseball, it's the only sport is guaranteed. He really can't lose that, except for one thing. He got caught doing steroids. He suspended 80 games and 80%, you know, the half of his salary is gone. You already have the money. It's guaranteed. Why do you have to keep cheating? It's because self-control, the power to choose what's right, is not inside. And so point number one, open your Bibles with me. We have to live in a self-awareness level to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Beginning in verse 24. Jesus speaking to the disciples tells them these words. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone, that's all of us here, if anyone, everybody in the world, wishes to come after me, the person who is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one gets to the Father but through him, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. Now this denying yourself is not easy. And this is where self-awareness has to come in because if it, if it is up to our desires, we will eat the entire tub of ice cream. We will eat the whole pizza. We will stay up all night. We will do things that are detrimental because for the moment, they feel good. That cookie dough ice cream that I just discovered with, with chocolate chips, we ate the whole pint last week, but it was divided amongst the five of us. Why? Because in that moment when our senses are taking over us, this is what happened to Eve. She let the fruit, the sense, the desire of it, the power for knowledge, but had she stepped away, she would have heard the commandment of God that says, the day you partake of the fruit, you shall surely die. So the first aspect is that we have to be able and willing to deny ourselves. But for what? The scripture said to follow me. But in order to follow him, you must know where he is leading. And that is the word of God. When your feelings, when your desires are in, con are, are in, what's the word of in conflict, thank you, with the word of God, it is not easy to put down your feelings and obey the word of God. Because when you have tied money in one hand, but that brand new power rack with the weights that you want to get is in the other hand, you have to deny yourself and trust the Lord. Because when you return the tithe, you don't always feel good about it. You continue to worry about perhaps paying your bills. But God is faithful that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And so whatever it is, if there is a, a relationship that you know you should not be in, entering into it, your whole body is going to gravitate to that relationship. But the Bible tells us the truth about marriage and relationships. 
And God is not going to give you warm, fuzzy feelings about obeying that truth until you actually take the step to obey. Then the peace comes. Then the tranquility comes. It's similar to when they crossed the Jordan, right? The Red Sea, God opened it, and then they walked. The Jordan, they had to what? Take the first step, and then the waters parted. So the first aspect is that you must know that you have been called to deny yourself. Whatever is attracting you to the world, that must end. Self-awareness must take, and the self-awareness is not consulting your own self, but consulting the Word of God. That's why I tell people Christianity became easier for me in the sense when I realized and I say this phrase, and it doesn't always make sense, but I have to elaborate, that I no longer think for myself. We're always called to think for ourselves, and that is the spirit of this country, right? To, to be a go-getter. And it's not that I don't think for myself, but what I mean by that is that every major decision of my life, I filter through the Word of God. I don't trust myself to make decisions apart from the principles found in the Word of God. Now here's the beauty. If you practice that long enough, it becomes subconscious to a point. But you must always consult the Word of God. And so that's point number one. If you want to strengthen yourself, deny yourself. However, in your self-awareness must be found not in your own heart. Follow your heart and all the modern messages. Do what thou will. But thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Point number one. Denying yourself and being self-aware is based on the word of God. No matter how handsome he looks. No matter how beautiful and attractive she may be. You guys know how much I like memes. There's a meme that says, somebody's husband is not an answer to your prayers. <laughs> Amen, right? Somebody's wife is not an answer to your prayers. Deny yourself. Point number two, open your Bibles with me to the book of Romans. And we'll be done in 10 minutes. The book of Romans, chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. This is what Stephanie took place today in the baptism. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin may be done away with, so that we are no longer slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is a master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, verse 11, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We've all had, we've all known that couple 
who's been waiting to get married and it's been nine, ten years later. They've been engaged for eight years, nine years, ten years, and nobody ever pulls the trigger. If you really want that strength and the power of the Holy Spirit, you must make the full commitment to Christ in the watery graves of baptism. Why? Because it's just like a marriage. Stephanie just declared to us and to the world and to the heavens that Christ is my ultimate husband. That I will follow him wherever he may lead. There is something in the power of choice when you exercise it and you make that commitment that you realize there's no turning back. It should be the same way in regular marriage and when you marry to Christ. When you make that commitment, he strengthens you. Not only through the power of his word, because a verse that changed my life is John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And the image in my mind, if you ever washed anything in a washboard, that's what the word of God does. It changes your whole your old way of thinking. But you're not going to make that commitment of, the, of baptism, and that ultimate declaration of God, if you don't have the power of prayer in your life. See, you can read the Word of God, but if you don't read it in prayer, then you'll just be as good as Satan who knows the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but it doesn't do him any good. There is something when you say to the Lord, Teach me your ways, for I cannot follow my own ways. That the Holy Spirit descends and leads you to take a full commitment to Christ publicly. Many preachers, evangelists say there are no 007s in Christianity. Secret service agents who are spies. We all must declare proudly and loudly that Christ is my King. And yes, you may be a faithful Christian all your life. But if you haven't taken the commitment to declare it publicly, I have to ask, why not? Just like you asked the couple, or at least may not ask them, but you're thinking about it. Why have you been engaged for nine, ten years and still haven't been married? All of us are going to be called, whether baptized or not, as prophecy fulfills, to make a public stand for Jesus Christ. Do it today. Don't wait any longer, for we're not promised tomorrow. The last point, open your book, your Bible with me to Galatians chapter 2, and let me plug the Bible study. We're at the end of Galatians Tuesday night. We are in chapter 5, so we'll be ending the book, and then we'll take a one-week break and begin with Ephesians, Galatians, yeah, Ephesians, 2.20. So look, you have denied yourself and fulfilled your self-awareness with the word of God. Two, you have made a choice, the ultimate choice of publicly declaring it through the power of prayer because you cannot get there without the power of prayer. And then the result of that is what Paul says in verse 20. For I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, 
who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so Paul is saying, look, all my desires, everything I wanted to be, everything that my flesh craves for, I no longer am that person. Now, granted, you and I live in the real world, and Paul, too, had his struggles, his thorn in the flesh. But the closer, the deeper we dive into his word, the more we saturate it in prayer, the fact that we've made a public decision, he will strengthen us to go all the way with him. To the point where it is no longer I that is living, but Christ is living in me. And if Christ is living in me, then I cannot fail. I may stumble. I may have moments of weakness like Elijah, where I despair of life. But if you know he's holding on to you, he will bring you all the way home. For it is no longer I that live. And obviously you and I are living. So what Paul really means by that, is what I said at the beginning. Everything that I do, everything that I desire, will be filtered through his word. And if he leads me, like Enoch, that I never see death, I will praise him for the rest of my life. But if he leads me like John the Baptist, where I die for my faith, guess what? I will praise him for all of my life. For we have eternity, whether in life or in death. We have Jesus. We have it all. So you want to strengthen the power of choice? Dive deep into the word of God. Through prayer, make a public commitment to him every day. And finally, realize that Christ is sitting on the throne of your heart. Let him live it out. For he who began the good work in you is faithful to complete it until that day. Where in light of my grandmother's ministry and extension, I'll be able to present to her all the souls that her ministry led me to baptize. I'll see my father again. I'll see my other loved ones. Why? Because Christ lived inside of each and every one of us. So if your power of choice is feeling weak, take your own week of prayer and spend more time in prayer. Spend more time in the Word and ask Him for His life to shine through you. And I know this as a fact and as an ordained minister of the Gospel, that He's not going to leave you. He will never abandon you. And when you feel at your weakest, he will sustain you. May God bless each and every one of you today. Thank you for listening to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast. You can find us at woodlandsadventist.org and you can visit us anytime. You're more than welcome. God bless you and have a great day.